Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. And yes, welcome back. I know you have been waiting on bated breath for an entire week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. We're stoked to have you here. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, we are stoked to have you. Uh, obviously, the smartest audience out there, clearly, right? Uh, because only idiots don't listen to this show. So we're glad to have you. And we have got stuff to share today. Uh, cannot avoid the markets, right? We'd like to right but, now. <laughs> but we, so we're going to do it. We'll address it. But we got some other fun today, too. Uh, and so we'll see where we can wander on this magical financial journey. Did I, did I just say magical? Like, that sounded ridiculous too. Like, um, yeah, I feel like you needed to paint a picture of like we've got machetes and we're like we're gonna hack our way through this financial jungle. Yeah, and that's what it feels like right now, doesn't uh-huh, it? It sure does. Uh, what? So what a crazy one! And today it's fun only because so Tuesdays is it's information overload day at least for me because we start first thing in the morning. It doesn't help that the markets were closed Monday. Either, right. Right. Like. So we tease today today's a ton like whirlwind. Right. So today so this is a ton day. When Monday and Tuesday get mixed together, it's a ton day. Oh. Right. So that's, okay. that's how that works, especially with info. Right. So it's information ton day. And we did we actually so we produced a video. It's on YouTube. And if you go looking for it, you probably won't find it because it's for our clients. If you want to watch it, it's just an update. You can send an email to info at littlejohnfs.com and we can get you the links so that you can see it. But it was something just to address how we're managing money for our clientele right now. And it, it was just a result of taking a look around, right? You know, we kind of put the uh, metaphorical dipstick into the market and pulled it out and took a look and said, like, huh, running a little low there, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Or, or and maybe the oil's a little dirty, too. Yeah. It's like we could, we could use a change over there. Uh, so the biggie, of course is uh, Russia and very generously recognizing the independent constitutional uh, republics now that mm-hmm. have broken away from Ukraine and cannot wait to join Russia as, and become part of the um, the union there, right? Yeah, what a play that was. And in, oh, look, these independent republics that uh, have announced their own independence. And I'm like, yeah. That's not subtle. Yeah. I mean, they just <laughs> marched right in like, eh. I mean, here we it, are. I, all I could say is if somebody bought it, that was, that'd be amazing. It's like, so Putin walks into the room and goes, hey, why are you amassing troops all over the place? He said, well, there's lots of reasons, right? He said, but most importantly, these other land masses of which we are attracted to have declared their independence from Ukraine. And we being benevolent Russia are going to walk in and help. Yeah. I'm going to try that with one of my next door neighbors. Like, I heard that you don't really want this place and it's kind of neutral ground. So I'm going to take your house. Well, you, we've declared your backyard uh, <laughs> yeah. Commonwealth territory. And so yep. I'm, I'm, I'm there for you to step in down. and provide security for your backyard. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to try that when I get home. Oh, keep me posted. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll try to post bail for you. Thanks. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> no. I am not so politically naive as to think that Russia is the only bad actor in this one. 
I don't have all the details, but I know that you do not get to a point when militaries are involved without both sides having played different hands, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when there's the history of this area and region. The Russian economy sure is probably enjoying this, though. I mean, I heard them described as a giant gas station, right? Like, they produce a lot of oil. <laughs> They're a giant gas station. And right now, fuel prices are hitting all-time highs, and they still have buyers. So I recall at one point the conversation that something where Russia takes a massive economic hit if oil falls below like $42 a barrel or 45 yeah. anything below that, and they're just getting shellacked. And the reference stands out in my mind because when oil at these prices, it made the oil that was being pumped out of like the Dakotas, the shale oil, mm -hmm. it's that shale oil is a little bit harder to extract than stuff like out of Texas where it's, it's much easier to extract okay. in Texas. And so the cost of extraction, the, the price per barrel needed to be higher or else it didn't make economic sense to pump that oil. Now, sometimes they would do it anyway because it, it was more expensive to shut it down than it was to uh, operate at terrible margins or even negative margins for a little while. But uh, long term, it was not a sustainable deal if the, if the price of oil was much below 40, 45 bucks, somewhere in there per barrel. Well, and it got really low, too. Well, it was down into the 30s. It was negative at one point. I, I know this sounds crazy, but I recall a time when the oil futures contracts, when COVID was first going down, mm -hmm. went negative. And they were saying, like, I remember joking that if only I had a place to park an oil tanker for a while, because <laughs> they would pay me to take it. Yeah. And you could sit on it. And then just later wait, on, you wait could it out. pay, you know, get a premium for it. And here we are couple years later and oil is now approaching a hundred dollars a barrel um, right now it looks like 9227 okay. is the crude oil um, price point as of uh, Yahoo Finance benching it and so that uh, that was today's it was down it looks like 0.09 percent or eight cents per barrel uh, which all over the place but yeah Russia right now making bank oh yeah on, on oil so in theory, economic sanctions would hurt Russia if it weren't for the fact that there were probably plenty of markets that are willing to say, sanctions, fine, Europe doesn't want our oil. They're like, well, everybody else still does. Yeah. So I mean, India's right below you. And yep. They and China's use a lot of right oil. around the corner, and Africa's not uh, off the mm -hmm. map. And so, I mean, there's a lot of places that need energy. So uh, it, it's an interesting play to see how... Well, this is happening. And we right? were talking about, was it the Black Sea? If right. they do get control of Ukraine, I mean... If they get now, control of Ukraine, they essentially have the Black Sea yeah. surrounded now. And so they get to control that. And, and of that course, there's a lot shipping of... shipping routes, too. There's, there's some shipping through the Black Sea, but there's also uh, oil and, and others mm -hmm. uh, uh, that uh, they have, you know, rigs in the Black Sea where they're extracting oil from underwater yeah. where uh, they, they've found it. So... Yeah, all kinds of stuff at play here. Uh, what does it mean for the stock markets? And this is an interesting one, right? It doesn't. It just so you know, a war with Russia does not guarantee well between Russia and Ukraine. A, a war with us and Russia—that's bad news, right? Right. Anytime the United States is getting into a war environment, we have new dynamics at play here because it affects the geopolitics uh, directly rather than what I will say indirectly. 
but but the indirect uh, economic impacts quite unknown. Yeah, we haven't really seen anything quite like this in a really long time. It's been a while. Uh, you know, most of the risk that we have seen has been domestic in nature or systemic in nature. Okay, mm-hmm. so what those mean is domestic. You know, with on our own shores. Okay, so when we talk about COVID was a systemic risk and that all the countries were dealing with it, right? But beyond COVID, a lot of the issues of money printing and an economic expansion or contraction and how those were managed, it was unique to what we did within our country, right? And so our own internal policies gave us uh, our own outcomes independent of the rest of the world, even though we were dealing with some things that were systemic in nature, meaning everything. Well, here we are in a, an environment where our economy, if you depending on how you measure it, is going gangbusters, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you want to work, you can. Oh, right? yeah. There are jobs all over the place. So if you want a job, they're out there. If you don't want to work, I don't know how to tell. I don't know what to tell you, right? But But if you want to work, you can. So... That's not the issue. Uh, we're seeing rising wages, but of course we are seeing really rising inflation. Yeah, and with fuel prices going through the roof, that's just going to exacerbate the problem yeah, even more. Fuel prices. I mean, I I feel like even the 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 gas stations locally that have historically been the budget gas stations, like they're mm-hmm. all approaching four dollars a gallon now. And in California, I heard someone say that it's already hit five. Right. So. So. These when you go from below three dollars a gallon to a, to four dollars a gallon, mm-hmm. so you're talking about a thirty five to fifty percent increase in fuel costs in the last eighteen months. Right, that is a material impact on everything. Okay, and and when I say everything, that's literally what I mean mm-hmm. because it takes fuel to move all the stuff in our economy. Exactly. Right. So, and, and it's everything from the cost of asphalt, because oil is a component in that, to plastics, to Amazon and UPS shipping stuff around the globe. Okay, All of that requires fuel. It's a big concern right? because even if the Fed decides we're going to have seven interest rate hikes, if we have oil going through the roof, and I mean, we can only try and slow inflation so much, right? Like, oh, you can. The, the, the problem is that, so you can kill inflation. Right, like you could just kill it, but, but there's it's, a cost. The, it's also killing yourself in the process. Exactly. Right? I mean, if you want to kill inflation, look, we could just turn around and and make it so that we could change the regulations and come in and say, all right, banks can only loan money to people with the the reverse of what it used to be. Right, it used to be that you needed twenty to twenty five percent down to purchase an asset. Now you need eighty percent. You can only finance twenty, mm-hmm. and the vast, vast majority of people no longer qualify. We can make the credit standards really high. We can make the bank have to keep a bunch of reserves in, in-house in so that they can't lend as much out. Mm-hmm. And we can also ramp up the interbank lending rates. We could restrict the flow of capital to the point that we could, we could choke the economy into submission. Mm-hmm. And we would kill ourselves doing it, right? I mean, yeah. we would collapse into a depression in the process, we would collapse the value of collateral real estate markets, and we could go through a massive deflationary cycle as a result. Yeah, and it turns out that's bad. 
right? There's, sure there's, doesn't there's, sound remember, appealing. Because our, our listeners are the smart ones, right? So mm-hmm. we can all nod and agree, that would be bad. <laughs> so so then what were they trying to do? They're trying to engineer a soft landing. Hey, let's keep raising rates until the economy cools off without going into a contraction right. I'm saying, period. Uh, can we even cool it off at a certain point? So just complete it, runaway. It sort inflation. of depends because parts of the economy can adjust and parts of it don't. Mm-hmm. Right. So you think about labor. When was the last time that employers rolled wages back? Right. Like once wages go up, They're, what? Well, who accepts a decline in wages? Yeah. Right? Now maybe people get laid off, and so you know when they go back, the jobs that were gone, they have to come back to a job that offers less later, and that's how you would see a wage adjustment. But the jobs themselves don't typically roll backwards, right? Like you just don't see that, which means once you start to see wage inflation, it tends to mean that you have pretty sticky inflation tendencies here. Mm-hmm. And we are there. So we're now walking the line of, are we back into the 1970s again, oil embargoes and you know, you know massive inflation, how are we gonna handle that? The Fed has learned things, but that doesn't mean that we're not gonna as you say, you know, history may not repeat itself, but it may still rhyme. I know how we fix it. Lower the speed limits to save fuel consumption. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how it started. Is right? the crazy thing. Yeah, I know. Like 55 wasn't because it was safer, you know, air quotes. It was, it was fuel savings. Here we come, guys. So anyway. We're going to lower the speed limits. All right, so lower the speed limits. So anyway, uh, let's let's we're going to pivot, right? So we know that... Uh, with Russia going into Ukraine, we think that uh, we're, we're, I'm sort of postulating, and you and I are walking through this, Matt, of what might it do to the economy, but what does it do to the investor? Okay. It makes us take our evil profit break first. Okay, round we'll two's coming up. On, on the flip side, and we'll say, good. Now, as an investor, what should you do? Stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Matt Dixon. All right, so Matt. Yes. Uh, we were talking about Russia and the Ukraine and how it may potentially destabilize the energy markets and how that can ripple through the economy. And uh, sounds like a recipe for disaster to me. No, we're good. We're, we're going to be fine because we're going to slow inflation down by just... Lowering those speed limits. That's going to lower be, the speed limit. Yeah. So everybody's going to drive forty-one miles an hour on the freeway, and, and everyone's going to drive a Prius. And well, no, no, oh no, no electric no. cars. Yeah, yeah, it can't be a Prius Tesla's. too. It's going to have to be domestically manufactured. Yeah. Tesla so. sales through the roof. Okay, so we'll all buy Teslas. They're at one hundred and forty thousand dollars a car. <laughs> yep. Right, and we'll limit our speed to forty-one miles an hour on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so far this sounds. Like it's not going to be a big hit. No, we're good. Golden, okay. don't panic. Okay, so and and how do they vote for you again? It's a writing campaign. Right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> so all right. So seriously, mm-hmm. we're looking at um, the the economy has a lot. Uh, so on the one hand, it seems like things are going well. On the other hand, we, all of this uncertainty and it could all come crashing down. What what do we do? 
Well, markets sure don't like the volatility. I'll, I mean, geez, well, it's been... Yeah, I mean, I think the volatility is... I mean, the markets show they don't like the uncertainty mm -hmm. by being volatile, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, would, I don't think the investors like the volatility. The markets apparently love it because that's all we're getting right now. It's true. <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing that blows me away, but we just have to have a get real moment. Okay, and we're gonna. I want to talk about a few key indicate, key not key indicators, but key things to consider as investors. First off, the stock market is not a proxy for the economy. Right? Yeah. Listen to that again. The stock market is not a proxy for the economy. What does that mean? It means that the economy and the stock market don't necessarily move in tandem right away like step for step correct yeah right it, i mean you can have a bad economy in a good stock market and you can have a good economy in a bad stock market yeah they are not correlated I feel like they, that's one of the biggest misconceptions too i agree i agree like people seem to think like oh my gosh well all this inflation it's got to be terrible for the stock market right well typically the stocks outpace the inflation typically and then my my question is often well where are we in the cycle and where else would money move mm-hmm right because bonds still don't look attractive not to me mm, right yeah, I mean I mean bonds are an interesting one if you get into the high yield space where you see a lot higher uh, interest rates being right paid, but we're not there yet well it's not so much that there are high yield companies out there and default rates have been very low mm-hmm but here's the part people don't understand Big high yield bonds tend to be a lot like stocks in terms of their volatility. So, yeah. so if the purpose of buying bonds is to lower the volatility in your investment strategy, I don't know that high yield bonds are accomplishing the mission. Mm -hmm. You know, so then I find myself going, okay, well they sit at a different place in the capital structure, but if I'm going to have the same volatility, I'd like more upside. And bonds tend to have more limited upside right. relative to stocks because exactly. they have, you know, a maturity cycle where they're going to mature at a certain point and when they do you pretty much know when you're getting paid unless it defaults All right so if it's not uh, it, well so the, the the bond issue is well it's really a separate issue but but the stock market back to you know stock market and the economy mm -hmm. if they're unlinked then what does the economy tell us about the stock market not much right like i mean to an extent it does but it doesn't tell all well, it, here's where I think it is, and this is what the market's trying to do. The market's actually trying to handicap the future. Like, do you know what's going to happen in Russia nope. or the Ukraine? No. I don't. So what are we doing out here? We're saying, well, let's run a series of hypothetical situations, you know, from one extreme to the other. And say, well, if these things happen, then what? Well, what if something else happens, then what? It's all these if-then scenarios, and then you try to extrapolate what that would mean for where money moves in the market and then the market is trying to price that in yeah i mean in i think it's just pricing in a big sign that says danger danger like right that's right. really what we're seeing i mean but there's other things that are playing into right. it i mean supply chains have been really disrupted well the, yeah these the are thing all... in canada right like right that, that shut down billions of dollars worth of trade trade yeah that plays an effect on the stock market. 
it, everyone it wants to look at the economy, and it's like, well, hold on. There's more pieces than just the economy. Because remember, the markets are a market, right? It's a supply and demand driven event. So what's going to change the demand or the supply? Mm -hmm. Okay, And we know that if we change the money supply, right, how much money is in circulation? Rising interest rates do that. There's right? a lot of money in circulation yeah, at the but, moment. But if we raise interest rates, you know, through whatever mechanism occurs, either the market's going to do it or the Fed's going to do it. But if rates go up, then that's going to take money out of the market, which now you have a lower supply of dollars to chase the same number of shares potentially that are in circulation. Right? So that could be an effect. I just keep seeing that statistic that 80% of our money has been printed in the last two years. Like yeah. when it, when I think inflation, that is the first thing that always comes to my mind, and it's like that's going to take a long time to really slow in my mind. Oh yeah, the amount of money, the pure money that's in circulation that we're just not used to yet. We we're trying to adjust and catch up to that, but that's going to take some time. Right. So here's here's the questions. Um, first off, should you worry? As investors, I should mean, we worry? You, I think you have to worry to a degree, but it depends depends on your time horizon to me like if you need all you need access to all of your money in the next three years then yeah maybe you need to worry a little bit but are you a long-term investor that's really the question I ah have. so see i love the way you snuck that in there because i ask you about worry and you don't answer worry at all do you i don't worry yeah well i'm young <laughs> like i'm just gonna keep buying stuff it's on sale to me and <laughs> that's Great answer. Our listeners are going, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my so, 30s. I'm buying. <clears throat> so here's my commentary about worry. It's pretty fruitless. Okay, Just worrying doesn't change the outcome, and worrying and not taking action doesn't fix anything. But worry can also lead to some of the dumbest moves you can make. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, statistically speaking, emotionally driven decisions often fail. Right. Because you, you tend to leap past what you're doing is you're, you're going to sacrifice when you do a stress decision as fight or flight, you sacrifice accuracy for speed. OK. And so worried decisions are stress decisions. Stress decisions have that fight or flight component to them. So you're sacrificing accuracies for speed like the market's terrible. I got to get out. Yeah. OK. And that tends to be a terrible time to make uh, like the capitulation decision, like the fact that it has a name in finance, like, oh, it's the capitulation trade right about the time that everybody thinks the end of the world is here and they're quitting and they're selling out is at the bottom of the market. Right. The pain timing, point is just yeah. too much. Timing the market is just so difficult. Timing the market is really difficult. And so uh, instead of trying to time the whole market with these binary moves, all in, all out, I think just what where we try to encourage folks is if, if you're really nervous, then have enough money raised in cash that if you need it, you can pull from that rather than being forced to sell at a lousy time. Do you want to own it in five years? That's well. That's always the first question I I ask when I look at investment analysis. Mm -hmm. Right? Do I think that the what I am purchasing will be more valuable five years from now than today? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I think it's going to be worth more, then I say, why do I think that? How much more? And then I start to look at: Do I think other things have a similar upside potential, and is something else a superior opportunity? Right, And if the answer is, I think it's going to be more valuable, I think it's the best opportunity, it meets the criteria, then I'm going to, I'm going to start adding to positions like that. Okay, 
<clears throat> now notice that I didn't tell you what to buy. I told you a philosophy that I share. And I mean, this is not supposed to be the typical version of investment advice. We have to give that disclaimer on the show all the time. Why? Because we really do this for people. And, and you so don't we have to get sued. Yeah, we have a fiduciary obligation to our clientele. And I don't want you as a listener thinking, this guy just told me to do this. And then you go out there and harm yourself and blame me. Yeah. That's not what we're doing. But what I am saying is, hey, use your brain. Remember, our listeners are smart. So you, you want to say, do I think realistically this company is going to survive and thrive and be, or this investment? I, we use company a lot because we often invest in the stock market. But do I think this purchase will be worth more in the future? Now, if, if the answer is yes, then we start to do the scenario frame-ups after that. Because, right? mm -hmm. you know, inflation is very real, but historically, everything has worked its way back out. It's just it doesn't work its way out necessarily at the pace that people want, which is why I think your your point was really relevant, Matt, which is this tests your time horizon. Tests how thick your skin is. <clears throat> how thick is your skin? What what stopwatch are you using? Mm -hmm. Okay. If if the market volatility freaks you out, then maybe you're not as much of an investor as you think. You may be a little bit more of a trader and, and that that can really ruffle people's feathers. Like that's not true. I just I've always been buying mutual funds. I just I'm getting closer to retirement or whatever else. Now look, if the volatility is really bothering you, then you need to now analyze your risk. Mm -hmm. Am I taking too much risk? Because that's what's really bothering you is the swings up and down are bothering you. If you're worried that you're not going to have time to recover, then maybe you're invested wrong, and this is just the get real moment. Yeah, and right? people really struggle with their risk tolerance they they do because it's when when times are good it's really it's easy, easy to, get to be greedy, high risk right? yeah. like hey you know nobody i always said you never get fired for making somebody too much money right you get like as professional investor we get fired if we lose people more money than they expected i try to tell everybody volatility is part of the gig and the money's going to go up the money's going to go down if you're going to benchmark only on success you're not going to be happy because there'll come a time when things are outside of our control and the market's going to go down it's happening. It's yeah. not a question of if, it's a question of when and how long. Right? Yeah. But we have there's another important silver lining to this whole conversation, right? The whole idea that the markets are gonna go down sometime. You wanna know what the silver lining to it is? Oh wait, there's gonna be a commercial there's break. There's a total commercial break. You're like, ah. you're seriously like I will tell you, there is a silver lining to investing. It's one of those where uh, well, you're just going to want to hear it. Stick around, but uh, we have to take this break first. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Matt, promises, promises, right? There's a silver lining to what? This is the podcast promo. Oh, okay. Well, lead us off. <laughs> Just saying, if you're trying to get caught up, you can grab the podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, it'll be available at littlejohnfs.com, uh, and you can also get it on iTunes and Amazon Music We're and all those different now. places. So it's it's all pushed out there. But if you just want to find the shortcut to it, go to our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. Check out the Educate tab, and you can see it. But uh, anyway... The silver lining when we were talking about, hey, stock market can be volatile and crazy. And uh, if you find yourself with 
feeling really anxious as the markets go up and down, then it's time to evaluate your risk. And every time this happens, by the way, I push this on the radio and go, look, if you all of a sudden lose sleep at night, it's because you may be in the wrong investment criteria. It's easy to want to make money. But if you can't stomach the downside of it, then you you know you're who are you? Which side of your mouth are you going to talk out of? Right? Yeah, the, investing is not a heads I win, tails you lose game, unless you're willing to really give it time, and that's the silver lining. The heads I win, tails you lose concept has been how investing has worked for the better part of a hundred years or more. Mm-hmm. So the the stock market has historically rewarded the patient and the diversified and the diversified right if you if buy you, <laughs> one stock right yeah if you owned only facebook up until yeah you felt <laughs> bummed out in the last month or two because yeah, it has you know lost about a third of its value yeah and continued to creep further down from there right yeah so you know here's the titan one of the top 5 companies in the S&P 500 and it loses a third of its value and falls from grace, right? So you want to be diversified for just that reason. Not just diversified like in tech, but diversified in industries too. Because otherwise, you are still owning a lot of risk, concentration risk. And you know what the expression goes? If you want to get rich, concentrate. If you want to stay rich, diversify. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about investing... Okay, investing isn't speculating, not the, not the way that we're thinking. Like high-risk, high-concentration portfolios, there's a lot more speculation in those. Okay. But why is all of that sort of a secondary event? You've got me stumped. Because it turns out... Now, diversification, I think, is important, right? You, if you pick the wrong stocks and they go bankrupt, you're in trouble, right? But if you have one out of... 30 stocks go bankrupt, mm. and the other 29 do what has historically happened, you end up, over time, still winning. Because if the system survives, a capitalist system rewards the capital investor over time. The companies reprice with inflation, and if you don't believe me, all right, ask yourself this. How much did a candy bar cost when you were a kid? And how much does it cost today? Think or a gallon of milk, or yeah. a postage stamp, or a, gal- a gallon of gas. You know, what did it cost? Well, even three years ago, it really wasn't that much, right? But but what happens is, companies, houses, assets in general adjust in price over time. Okay, I mean the the houses of today. I mean, you can buy a house that was built forty years ago. Yeah. that needs badly to be remodeled. And it's still a valuable place. Yes, it won't sell for as much as a brand new place would, but it will sell for close. And then you'll have to put the money into upgrading it if you want to, because the house is appreciated, but you know, it's, it's appreciated radically in value. Yeah. The difference is just kind of the cosmetic elements underneath the roof that people are mostly interested in, right? That's there true. might be a few code differences and so forth, but nevertheless, that's an example of inflation working its way out of the market. And it works its way out in the markets or the stock market too. It's, it's over time, it's the crazy thing is it's always worked out. And you know, you put air quotes around always and say, well, it always does until it doesn't. And I go, aha, 
Yeah, but if it doesn't, but if it doesn't, it's then a we're system all in wide the same problem. boat. Yeah, we're all there, right? Like Everybody's we're all hosed. in trouble at that point. So if we're all hosed, then it goes back to guess what? Whiskey the, and guns. Yeah, well, that's that's the end of the world trade. But it's it's the same reason that I insist that our listeners will be okay, right? Because we have smart listeners. Okay. Now, if you're an idiot and you go out and make foolish decisions in the, in the middle of a financial catastrophe, then you can expect below average results and that's not going to be fun. Yeah. Okay? But if you're smart, you can expect above average results in a really terrible environment and you should still have a net benefit over everybody else that suffers worse. It's true. Okay? Now, like if they I, lose I, 15 and you lose 8, you're doing a lot right? better I mean, than they are. It's crazy to think about, oh my gosh, you know, I had a million dollar retirement plan and now it's worth 500,000. And I go, that's true, but everybody else that had, you know, $500,000 uh, retirements now have 250,000. You mm -hmm. still have twice as much. And odds are very good that all of the pricing around you proportionately adjusts as well. Right? You don't expect to lose half of your net worth while simultaneously having everything else around you double. Because if everything was doubling in value, the things that you own should be doubling in value. How did you lose half your net worth? Unless you either A, picked terrible stuff, or B, sold like, it off at the wrong time. Well, and then, or something yeah. that's really more radical. And you know, I'm going to say this, and boy, the haters are going to come out. Okay. But, okay, if we saw the death of a capitalist system, right? Like, let's say we had a complete overhaul of the fundamental economic system that the United States is built on. We're no longer a capitalist country, however that happens. Then, okay, all bets are off, right? You, you get into a state-controlled environment where they're, they're kind of assigning and redistributing wealth as they see fit. I'm out. I can't fix it. You right? know, a few people out there listening are like, it's already the, happening. Yeah, there's people that'll say, like, that's how it's coming. And I'm like, and then there's some people out there, that's why you get Bitcoin. And I'm like, I got news for you. It'd be <laughs> underground and it'd be hard. Yeah. Right? Because at that point. I mean, uh, Bitcoin doesn't work in China, does it? Right. I mean, <laughs> that's just, well, that's just look it, at the leading example. It's, it, you know, it would be underground. It could be a trade and barter system. But the question is, like, why would you trade and barter Bitcoin underground when you might need food? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so there'll be more useful things at that point that are more tangible than Bitcoin. But who knows? Right? And, and we are playing an end of the world scenario that statistically David, is way out there. Don't you know it's all about NFTs? That's where all the money is. Oh, <laughs> his head just exploded and tears started running down his face. <laughs> our poor listeners and, and poor advisors and poor everybody that's trying to make sense of this marketplace. It's a different world right now. It's, I, you know, I'll just say it. I don't think it's a different world. I think it is an undiscovered territory, and it's like the gold rush of like 1849 or whatever, right? Okay. Everybody's like, we got to get to San Francisco. There's gold in their hills. Can we make t-shirts with what that? Is it like, with you and t-shirts? Well, you want hey, t-shirts for everything. They've always panned out, haven't they? I mean, we only made one. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a big hit. So, but, so look forward to it. We're going to make t-shirts. There's going to be a picture of San Francisco and the gold rush and then some people. It's just an NFT of San Francisco gold rush is what it'll be. Oh my gosh. It's a million dollar idea. I know, you heard right? it right here. It, right? So we're going to have our the NFT well series. What, well, we'll have a limited edition. There'll only be 10,000 of them. Yeah. And you can get them for the low price of $9,999. Right. And then we're going to make exclusive membership linked to them so that you can uh, purchase them with Dogecoin, and you can uh, get membership to all of our exclusive parties. That's right. So, 
<laughs> Lots of fruit punch. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, half of what we just said, if not 90% of it, is sort of a mockery of some of what's going on in the NFT market. And I feel like we summed it up in about less than a minute. Yeah. It's, I mean, NFTs have value in for what they can be, right? I mean, if you want to secure intellectual property and use a blockchain to do it, then you could do things that would otherwise be digital artwork and you can keep somebody from digitally copying it. Doesn't mean they can't make a copy that looks just like it, but it won't be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be a knockoff. So that's the issue right there is if you really want to be able to say, I have an original secure piece, that's what the NFT landscape does. But why they exist and trade like they do is because other people have been making money at it. And what happens is other folks look at this and say, I want in. I mm -hmm. want to make the kind of money other people are making. And so now you're playing a different kind of game. You know what it's called? Gambling. Yeah. It's called the bigger fool theory. Yep. Right. The bigger fool theory is it doesn't matter what I paid for it because there's a bigger fool coming along somewhere who will pay more than I did. Start selling your dirty napkins. <laughs> Blow your nose on a napkin, draw a doodle and crayon and sell it for some money. Someone will buy it. It's that's the NFT it game. It seems like that's part of the world here. I think Gold Rush is gonna be our thing. We we've uh when you say it on the radio though, I don't know how you memorialize that, but we'll find a way. Okay. So uh you know, can you make NFT T-shirts? Yeah, you can. With the QR you can code wear them digitally. Them? Your avatar in the now, metaverse now can now wear it. Now we're talking. I, f I feel like this has got massive. I mean, how many of our listeners are like, "Hey, I totally want one. You can pay me to take one." Can you email <laughs> us if that. that's something you want? Like, I want an email tomorrow when I show up to work with a head count. David, we've got thirty-five people already. That yeah, want these. If, if you would like an exclusive. Uh, True Wealth NFT, send us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. We're gauging interest. So, yep. all right, there we go. All right, well, with that, we've we've now officially, I think, divulged into the weeds. all of the uh, content that we had blissfully planned out for the show. We talked about, <laughs> <laughs> about Russia invading Ukraine and how it, it's going to. Uh, the markets hate uncertainty, but long-term investors that are still using time-tested principles for investing ought to be good to go. And if you're worried about it, that you should examine the risk that you've got in there. And then we somehow hijacked ourselves and ran on the NF NFT. Do you want train. me to tie it all back together? Um, I do. Well, can you do it after the last break? Oh, you're killing me. I'm totally going to hang you out. All right, okay. so Matt's going to try to make sense of this one. And I got to hear this. I know you do, too. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. Thank you, Ian. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show, where if you're just joining us, you are stoked to learn how Matt is about to tie together our entire show, which we have covered all kinds of ground. So Matt, yeah. this is just going to turn into the next radio promo, right? Sure. Let's do that. Let's make right. it right here, right now. Just just bring Let's it home. Let's it. So we started talking about Russia. We talked about Ukraine, how it affects markets, the market in general, and then we got deep into the weeds 
on a lot of stuff. We got into cryptocurrency and NFTs, and I'm bringing it full circle because a news article came out that caught my attention talking about how Ukraine is on track to become a world premiere in crypto, like a oh, superpower. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, and how? Why, right? It all comes down to the fact that they received millions of dollars in funding through Bitcoin to help finance a war against Russia. So a bunch of activists got together and said, hey, let's help out the government over in Ukraine. And they've been shipping them shipping i'm air quoting that yes on the radio yeah uh tons of bitcoin and that's how they're financing part of this war okay so so nfts and bitcoin are helping fund the ukrainian government oh please i, I still maintain nfts are also being utilized for money laundering and this just further uh adds fuel to the fire of my theory right and when people say you know People ask, like, what do you, what does that mean, money laundering? Okay. Understand what money laundering is at the most generic level. It's taking illegitimate funds and integrating into the legitimate financial system in such a way that the governing authorities cannot track the origin of those funds, thereby uh, sidestepping the illegitimate nature of the funds, you, right? You know, there's a term for this now. It's money called, laundering? Well, kind of the process and well there's what lots these people of terms are, yeah. for it i mean but you know everything from smurfing and into the integration is the last component to it but it's the 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 structuring and then there's the integration component so there are different staging mm -hmm. for money laundering yes have you heard the term hacktivists so uh, yeah because you just showed it to yeah, me. yeah i did on the break i was like you got to see it and i just did a face palm right now and said hacktivists now i have heard the difference between black hat and white hat hackers Mm -hmm. Right. And this so, is more of a white hat type right. deal. It's well, like, in this case, th th it depends on which side you're on. Right? Well, I, yeah, I guess we're kind of tipping it there. Like, hey, we're kind of rooting for Ukraine to hold this off. But yeah, I mean, so, so that's the idea. Right. And if you've never heard of the difference between black hat and white hat, it's just like the cowboys. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a computer hacker that gets into your system and steals your identity is a black hat hacker. Sure. A computer hacker that breaks into your system and then notifies you about the vulnerabilities that they found so you can patch them is a white hat. Okay. And then if you have taken the Unix operating system and made it ubiquitous and free for everybody and called it Linux, you're red hat. And that's a joke for computer nerds. I missed it, so I guess I need to up my Linux nerd is, level. The, the, the Linux's logo is a red hat. Oh, is so, it? Okay. Yeah, red hat was part of the Linux operating system. Ah. So, um, and, and they've got different versions of it too. But but red hat was when they spun off and went public. It was the red hat was the, uh, I think their I think their ticker symbol is actually R H A T also I think, but and that was the Linux operating system, which was a freeware version of the Unix operating system that paralleled with DOS. And now you guys know that I'm nerdy. I so, feel like we could do this for hours, talking about hats and hackers. Just the whole thing. Like it's, we're on a spree in this last half of the show. It, 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 the thing is, all of this connects together. It does in weird ways, but they're but they're true ways, right? So the more you understand that it's a sophisticated and layered system, that if you know enough about it, it like if somebody was really talented enough. Forensic accounting can uncover money laundering. 
right? The question is whether or not you notice it until it's too late. If somebody is successful getting the money laundered into the system, then it kind of is gone and into the system. Now, if you're a drug dealer and you've got a bunch of illegitimate cash and you go buy a pile of NFTs and you sell them later to somebody else, even at a loss, mm -hmm. but you now have legitimate funds from the transaction, you do that three or four times and it's hard to track where it went because it's all in encrypted blockchains. But what you're left with is a legitimized transaction stream apparently, and then you put that money into a different legitimate source, you can afford to lose some money on it and still get it in there. And that's the cost of laundering, right? It's mm -hmm. literally like a cost of doing business for illegitimate uh, funds. Yeah, you don't have to set up your fake business anymore. Well, and if it's cheaper than the tax rate, mm -hmm. then you win. And you know, it, it, maybe it's more expensive than the tax rate, but it was acquired illegally. And it so, was fast. That's the other thing. Think timelines, right? Yeah. Like you can get it in there, you can move it around and it can be done. Yeah. And in let a me matter. be very clear. We are in no way condoning this. If no. anything, we're shining a spotlight on it and going, hey people, check this out because this seems like the area where they be doing it. So that's the issue is the NFT and crypto markets are the wild west. And with all this ability to be anonymous in transaction you can potentially have bad actors in there. It's like getting a bunch of people in a room, turning the lights off and letting people swap stuff around, right? Like you don't know who gave anyone anything Please, and where I just it went. don't want an envelope full of anthrax. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it just seems like this doesn't end well. You could probably buy that too somewhere on you, the deep dark web yeah, with enough you know, Bitcoin. I, it, it seems like with enough Bitcoin, you can buy just about anything and not everything is appropriate. So, uh, but anyway, well, look <laughs> there, we brought it home ultimately to the financial system is, so I, let's sum it up this way. Okay. okay. Russia and Ukraine equal uncertainty. Don't freak out. Stick to the principles of investing. If it seems too good to be true, i.e. crypto or NFT, be very careful with it. And if you don't know how to navigate this and you need help, give us a call. That was beautiful. All right. So how do they reach us, Matt? 541-375-0898. All right. Or you can give us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. Remember, send us whether or not you're interested in uh, authentic true wealth. NFTs. But uh, we are out of time for now. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.